So I told Lori at the first service, I had a chance to talk with Lauren Anderson. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, some of you might not know who Lauren Anderson is. He's a missionary to Guatemala that we had the privilege of being able to be in ministry with here at this church uh, over the course of several years and uh, now lives in Colorado. He sends his regards and he says the ministry in Guatemala continues with a full fervor and uh, thanks be to the work of Rolling Plains Church for being a part of that over the years. Praise be to God. Friends, I also wanted to share with you that not only do we raise almost uh, $10,500 towards the rice pack at Advent Conspiracy, in total, we raised almost $24,000, including our other two projects, uh, the, the um, Adarum in Africa, and also our mission and ministry to ECMI uh, and, and, and supporting the missionaries uh, in, um, in, in the Ukraine. So I think we ought to give God praise for that. That's a huge number. Praise be to God. Thank you, church. You guys rock. And... Uh, and we're just going to continue to see, uh, as Lori said, I just want to reiterate that the Rice Pack is an all-hands-on-deck event for God's church. And I know uh, back in 2015, when I had the privilege of being a part of the last one that we did, I know some people that invited their entire office to come and serve that day. And so you're more than welcome to invite anyone. It doesn't just have to be people of Rolling Plains Church to come and serve. People will want to be a part of this. It's going to be the first Saturday in February, after all. It's going to be dreary outside, but the Holy Spirit is going to be warm in here. Amen? Amen. So you have the freedom to be able to invite anybody to that. Thank you to our missional initiatives team and all the work that they're doing. But before we get a chance to get into the sermon, I want to invite the, the Dorman family to make their way forward. And I want you guys to welcome Mike and Kathy to the platform because they desire to uh, join God's church today at Rolling Plains. So would you give them a warm welcome? Kathy and Mike and I had a wonderful opportunity to uh, meet in my office on Thursday and to talk about God's church, talk about the nature of membership. We have a membership packet that we give to everybody that's interested, and they walk through that. And if they have any questions, we cover those kinds of things. Now, you guys are semi-familiar with the United Methodist Church. Uh, you've been involved uh, in your former church for many years, and you're excited to be here. Um, you've been involved in financial ministries, Mike. And Kathy, you've been involved in every walk of life in the denomination that humankind could think of, right? You've been involved in and served on the Board of Ordained Ministry uh, at the larger level in the West Ohio Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church. Uh, you've also been a lay delegate. Where's Van Slack? Is he in here somewhere? The Slack family? Yeah, well, Van Slack is our, there, back there is the Slack family. There's Melissa. They're lay delegates for our church, so they know exactly what I'm talking about when they know. So I've known Kathy for years because we rub shoulders at Annual Conference in Lakeside every year. Um, you've also been involved in district committees uh, in the Foothills District, of which we're a part of, and you're also a, a, a local, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a licensed lay speaker, a lay speaker. And uh, so as a matter of fact, I think you may be doing some preaching for us maybe in March. There's a rumor around that, and you may be coming and doing some preaching for us. So praise be to God. We're so glad to have you guys here today. So uh, you have actually said these answered these questions before in your previous church, and as we transfer your membership here, we're going to ask you these again. And this is significantly important. Uh, the, the membership is a covenant uh, in God's church. It's a binding agreement between two or more people. And, and these are going to sound a lot like wedding vows, and that's because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And so that is a covenant as well. And so when we ask these questions, I, I pray that each and every one of us that are members of God's church would be reminded of our covenant commitment. You see, you don't have to be a member of God's church to have access to all the benefits of God's church, but we become a member of God's church because we're ready to take on the responsibilities 
and to share the work of ministry together and to be committed to God's church. And that's what this is all about. And for those of us who have not made this commitment, maybe we're asking ourselves what keeps us from going deeper in our relationship with God and relationship with his church. So you ready for these questions? You guys ready? All right. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of the world, and repent of your sin? If you do so, say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives to resist evil, injustice, and oppression? If you do so, say, I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say, I do. Will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? If so, say, I will. Will you be loyal to Christ through the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If you do so, say, I will. Will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, say, I will. And will you receive and, I'm sorry, do you receive and press, uh, uh, let me start over here. Do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old Testament and of the New Testaments? If you do so, say, I do. Well, friends, let's welcome them to Rolling Plains Church. Praise be to God. Welcome, sister. Yes, welcome. Welcome, brother. So we have some certificates there for you, but we're going to say a prayer over this family right now. If you want to extend a hand uh, towards them wherever you sit, and we're going to say a prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for Kathy and Mike, and we thank you for the Dorman household, and we pray in the power of your Holy Spirit, and thank you for the confirmation you've given them in your hearts that this is the place that they want to land, that this is their home, that we are their family. And Lord God, we know that we're not only here to support them, but we know that they bring an incredible amount of skills and gifts to the table, that you're going to use them to support your work here in our hearts as well as God's church. So, Lord God, let us be a blessing to each other. Let us support one another. Let us love each other in good Christian unity. And, Lord God, let us continue to serve your purposes as we invite people to come, connect, grow, and go as your church. We thank you so much that you continue to grow those who desire to be committed to your ministries here out into our community and world. It's in your name that we pray, and we lift up Kathy and Mike to you today. Amen. Amen. Yep, welcome, guys. Go ahead, give them blessings. Blessings. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Well, friends, you may not be a fan of Monday Night Football, but I would dare say that DeMar Hamlin has become a household name. I would dare say that some of you are probably tuning into Monday Night Football this past Monday when you heard what was taking place on the field. DeMar Hamlin is a defensive back for the Buffalo Bills. He wears a number 31. He's just a youngster. I think he's only 26 years old. He's been in the league for only two years in the NFL. And he collapsed mid-game and suffered a cardiac arrest. It was so significant and serious that they brought the ambulance onto the field and tried to attempt to put him in the ambulance on several occasions, only to have to take him back out again and to perform CPR. The beautiful news is, is that not only did he make it into that ambulance, but he made, himself, I mean, he made his way to Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati's hospital there, the only level one trauma hospital in Cincinnati, and today is alive and well. He's now breathing on his own, I believe, and continues to make strides and steps towards an incredible future. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Friends, what I saw unfold this week is a reminder of where we're going in this sermon series and that is what we believe matters. And today I want to talk to you about the, uh, the Lord our God and, and, and talk to you about idols 
and that there's only one God. And friends, football can become an idol. And the entire country realized that on Monday night. Because even the commentators on ESPN, even the, even the news pundits and those people who would not usually normally acknowledge God would say that football is no longer important. They say, we, we, the, the, life is important right now. And all of a sudden, they started calling people to prayer. People are, this is ESPN. They're calling people to prayer. Oh, my goodness gracious. Right? News outlets and people you would never hear that from. And then one of the sports anchors on one of the ESPN shows this week had the audacity to actually say it's time to stop asking people to pray for DeMar Hamlin. Let's go ahead and just actually pray right here and now on national television. I think it was one of the most courageous acts I've seen in a long, long time in the sports world. And he led a prayer for everyone to pray for DeMar Hamlin. Friends, I believe that Monday night, through his enormous tragedy that he now acknowledges, God is using to glorify himself and to remind us what matters most. Amen? To remind us of what matters most. And friends, that's what we're talking about in this sermon series. Friends, we live in a culture and society where we hear all kinds of things, like religious teaching is all the same. It doesn't matter what religion you believe in that all roads lead to heaven, that no matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere, that's all that really matters. We, we find ourselves steeped in religious pluralism where all beliefs and thoughts are welcome under one big tent. But friends, there's a statement in the Christian faith that sets it apart from everything else, and that is this simple statement, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Friends, Jesus is Lord of all. That is the statement of faith that separates the Christian faith from everything else in this world, everything else that's offered, every other idea, every other belief. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible reads this, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, even the scriptures acknowledge that there are many gods, that there are many lords, that people have many idols in their life walking this earth, that people worship. The scripture acknowledges that. Verse six, yet for us, who is the us? Those who believe there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and from whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. One Lord, friends, Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord of all. You see, in Paul's time, he's the author of this text, inspired by God, people were worshiping many different gods, as he states. They were venerating statues. They'd venerate paintings. Uh, they would worship different gods everywhere they would go. They had a different God to help with your business practices, a different God to pray to to help you win with love, a different God that would offer you good health care, a different God for blessing you with childbearing. Even Caesar, a government representative, they venerated Caesar and treated him as God. Praise be to God that the Jews, God's chosen people, the Jews, believed in one God, the Lord our God, who then bore flesh and came in Jesus Christ. We call that the incarnation, that God became flesh. I think we just celebrated that in a little-known holiday this past December 25th uh, at Christmas time. That, that God manifested himself and became flesh. So that God became flesh, and, and out of Jesus Christ birthed God's church began the Christian faith, as we see in the book of Acts in the Bible. And from that, we know that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is ruler over all things. His kingdom has no end, the Bible says. He is Lord of all. 
And so today, friends, there are many gods, if we want to acknowledge that. There are many religions and many faith practices out there. You can pick from Buddhism or or the nation of Islam or or New Age or humanism, secular humanism, or Scientology. The list can go on and on. There are people out there that say Jesus is a good man. He was a wise prophet, but he's not the true son of God, and he's not even really Lord. You see, there are many things in life that we can also treat as gods. We, We have idols in many places. We can treat money as an idol and a god. We can treat politics and sex and and, and our careers and work, our extracurricular activities, technology. These are all common idols in our life. And we may not call them God, but we give them the dominion in our life. We allow them to occupy space that only God should be occupying in our life, if we're honest. Friends, if Jesus is not Lord of our lives, someone or something else will be. If Jesus is not Lord of our lives, something else or someone else will be. In Matthew, the Bible says in chapter 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, friends, we can't serve God in our career. Now, be easy on me with this next one. You can't serve God and Woody Hayes at the same time. All right? You can't do it. You can't serve God and your hobby at the same time. Now, you can enjoy Ohio State football. You can enjoy your hobby. You can enjoy your career. You can work hard at them, but only one can have dominion over your life. Amen? Only one of those things can have dominion over your life. So when the demand of your extracurricular activity and your demand with following Jesus come into conflict with each other, which one are you going to choose? And when we're tempted to engage in sexual activity outside of the covenant of Christian marriage, what will we do? How about for so many of us that are so busy with work in our life, we have no time to pray or even read the Bible because we're too busy for that kind of stuff. And our busyness itself becomes Lord over us and becomes an idol. You can only have one highest priority, and the Bible states very clearly, that is the Lord our God. There is only one God that can bring a supernatural peace. There is only one God that can bring true joy. There is only one God that can give us a lasting hope. There is only one God that can offer divine purpose that is in line with the very heart of God himself. There's only one God that offers salvation, and there's only one God that can follow through with delivering eternal life, and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. So let's talk about, for the rest of our time together, three things we offer for Jesus to be Lord of our life. Three things we offer for Jesus to be Lord of our life. Number one, we offer our obedience. You see, in our culture, we like to think that we are the masters of our own destiny, right? We think that we're large and in charge. We think that we've got this. In America today, we preach rugged independence, right? Remember, you know, remember the old Marlboro man back in the day? He had his boots on. He had a lasso on his, his belt hook. He had, he had a cowboy hat on. He had one foot up on a, on a step or whatever. And, and, and he just like, he's like, I got this. This is the American way. I, I'm going to plow through life. I don't need anybody else's help. That's the, that's the rugged individualistic mentality that we have in our life today. But friends, that is a fantasy. The idea that we are free thinkers, that we don't need anything else, that nothing else influences us, that's all a fantasy. Friends, we are shaped and influenced by our culture. We're shaped and influenced by our families. We're shaped and influenced by our friends. We're shaped and influenced by people, advertisements, the media, by by all the things that come out, social media, often not even knowing that we're shaped by those things, friends. 
And so the question is not if something has authority over us, but who or what is doing so. You see, for Jesus to be Lord of our life, it involves more than being just a good and nice person. How many in here would say that you're just a good and nice person? Are you a good and nice person? Better yet, let me ask you a question. You better say, is the person sitting next to you a good or nice person? For the sake of your marriage today, you want to answer yes to that question. Right? We all think that, I see some kissing going on now. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. I love it. I love it. Hey, according to popular opinion, I'm a good and nice person, right? My own popular opinion. And for you, you're a good and nice person. But friends, there's more to the Christian faith than just being a good or a nice person. It means intentionally committing our life to obeying God's teachings and throughout the Gospels, obeying the teachings that Jesus gives us. That he gives us example after example on how to live, very practical teaching on how to live, how to treat others, how to handle money and finances, how to prioritize one's time, how to raise a godly family. And God would tell us that our responsibility in response to making him Lord of our life is to obey everything he says, to obey God's will and purposes in his word. In John 14, verse 21, the Bible reads, whoever has my commands, Jesus says, and keeps them is the one who loves me. If you want to love me, you will obey. If you want to love me, you'll, you'll, you'll follow with my commands. Any parent or grandparent understands this concept, that the greatest way that our children can show us love and our grandchildren can show us love is to clean their room when we ask them to clean their room, right? Or to get off, get off social media or their phone for 10 minutes when we ask them to do that and, and go ahead and do the dishes or whatever it might be. That obedience and respect shows love, and it's the same way in our relationship with God. But friends, be warned. Be warned because many teachings seem impossible to do on our own when you get deep enough in God's Word. You know, teachings like be loving, unconditionally loving to people, be patient all the time, Lord Jesus, help me. Be generous on every occasion. Take up your cross and follow him. Take up, that's a, you know what happened on the cross? To take up your cross and follow him, to lose your life for his sake, these are heavy teachings. And there's a reason that his commands seem impossible to do on our own, and many of what I just read are impossible to do on our own, and that's because he wants us to be dependent on his help. He wants to be involved in our life and to be the source of the strength that we need to offer the very obedience to him that he asks us for. You see the struggles in the rich young ruler in Scripture. You see that he struggles with money and possessions. You see the struggle with the disciples, the first 12 that Jesus called. You see they struggle with pride and status. Friends, you see the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees battling with control and self-righteousness issues inside of them. You see the human nature for all to see. And we see how hard it is to allow these things to have a dominion in our life. And, 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 and sin beckons every day to be a part of our life. And that's why in, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, Jesus says this, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Honoring God, loving God, obeying God is possible with God's help and strength. For Jesus to be Lord, we need to open our hearts to what he requires. We obey his will through his help. This can only happen with God's help. The good news is, is that we've been given a helper in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus Christ, we also receive the very power of the Holy Spirit that allows us, enters into our life, that gives us the strength and the ability to live in harmony with a holy God. Not by our own strength or goodness, but by the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit in us and God's 
goodness. We're not good enough, but God is. But God is. You see, friends, obedience requires humility. Obedience requires the humility to recognize strongholds in our life that we can't overcome on our own power. And it forces us to admit that we need God's help. That's one of the best places we can be in life. So burdened by the things of this life that all we can do is look up and say, God, I need you. And God says, I've got you right where I want you. I'm about to show up because you called on me. When we humble ourselves and ask for God's help, he helps us to see and live in a new and better way. Well, that new and better way was promised to us in John 10.10 when Jesus says, I've come to give them life, not any old life, but an abundant life, a life full of abundance. So if we're going to uh, allow God to be, be Lord of our life, Jesus to be Lord of our life, we, we, we do three things. We offer him our obedience, and we offer him, secondly, our trust. You see, for Jesus to be Lord is not enough to believe in Jesus. We must trust in Jesus, give him our faith. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible reads, a person is not justified by the works of law. In other words, the, the person is not made right by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Only by God's grace in Jesus Christ and our faith in who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and was raised from the dead do we have God's covering over sin, hell, and death in our life. You see, we trust that God is going to show us the good life, the abundant life he promised to bring us in Jesus. We trust that the power of sin was broken on the cross. We trust that in Jesus Christ he conquered death. There are a lot of different ideas of what leads to a good life that exists in our culture today. People think that, well, if you have enough money, that'll lead to a good life. If you have enough power, that'll lead to a good life. Uh, um, if, you have a, if you have enough stuff in your life, that that's going to lead to a good life. But God teaches that the good life is one that is lived in harmony with his will. That's the good life that he wants to deliver for us. It means we are required to trust and to put our faith in Jesus Christ to give him control to obey his teachings, and to allow his wisdom to guide us toward that good and abundant life. It also means that we are to trust that Jesus dealt with our sin problem. You see, because of original sin, because of our human nature, we are under the power of flesh, and we can see how it affects, uh, we can see the effects of this all around us. Just turn on the news, and you will understand the Bible statement that says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, friends, sin is a cycle of frustration that you can't escape on your own. Shane Bishop, one of the church leaders that I follow, has this quote. He said, sin begs to be tolerated, <clears throat> asks to be accepted, then demands to be celebrated. It's what sin does. It's what sin does. Paul would relate in his writings. He says, I struggle with sin. I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I know I, I do want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Paul's own words. We trust that Jesus' death on the cross has broken sin's hold over us. We trust that we have been saved, therefore, by Jesus Christ from destruction, and we trust that the power of the Holy Spirit that enters into our life when we receive Jesus begins to do a new work in us, making us brand new, transforming us from the inside out into God's holy character. We trust that Jesus is the perfect atoning sacrifice necessary for the forgiveness of sin, that only in Jesus Christ does he make us right with God. We trust him with our life, that in Christ, death does not have the final say because Jesus defeated death. We trust that therefore we have eternal life in heaven waiting for us 
with God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of sin, the sting, the, 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 the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, only through Jesus. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Stand firm and let nothing move you that Christ is Lord of all. Friends, we're going to trust that Jesus is with us in our life because he conquered death. And no matter what comes our way, we're not going to waver in our belief that Jesus is our all and all. And the devil and the world and even death itself, they've got nothing on us because Jesus has given us everything. And so our trust in Jesus, our living hope, is how we give God our lordship, give Jesus his lordship in our life. And the third way is we do it through trusting, we do it through um, obedience, and we do it through love. That's how we give God our commitment that Jesus is lord of our life, through, his, through love. Out of God's incredible love, he became human. He sent his son to save us from sin and to set us free to live an abundant life and to live eternally with him. God sent, therefore, with that his Holy Spirit, a helper. He sent us a helper, a comforter, an advocate, and a teacher. And that all, has God, and all that God has done shows us his great love for us. Everything that God has done, he's done it because of his great love for us. And this causes us to want to return God's love back to him and to other people. It causes us to want to show this love back to God by loving others with acts of generosity, giving away our time, our resources, our talents, not out of obligation, but out of love. We're inviting all of us to show up on February 4th out of love, love for God and love for God's people. You see, the love of God in us, the Bible says, compels us to love God and to love his people back. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, this is what the Bible says. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And when we find our uttermost value in being in a loving relationship with God, that love is going to influence how we view everything in our life. The way that we see people, the way that we raise our children, how we set our priorities, it's all influenced by Jesus as Lord of all. And everything else in life is meaningless even those things that are really good things. Everything else in life is meaningless. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. The Bible says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Oh, friends, you might be married, you might have children, you might have a great career, you might even be a member of this church, but it is all garbage in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Above all else, friends, our statement today is that I am first a follower of Jesus Christ and everything else is rubbish. So friends, where is our loyalty? What or who do we love the most? Who or what is Lord of our life? Because if we're honest, none of our idols or gods, whether they're a sports team or a television show or a hobby or a kid's extracurricular activity, none of these idols truly satisfy or offer any kind of lasting meaning or everlasting purpose in our life. 
And to express our great love and devotion to God, we're going to worship him. Because, you see, worship, after all, of anything else becomes an idol. And we resist idols by committing ourselves to times of worshiping God and offering in that worship our gratitude and praise to him. And when we do that like we did today, we're reinforcing our loving devotion to Christ and bringing him glory as we proclaim Jesus Christ as the one true Lord. Friends, it all hinges on Jesus. Without Jesus raised from the dead, without Jesus alive and well today, the Christian faith is a waste of time. If you find the body of Jesus Christ today, friends, I'm out. I'm out. It all hinges on Jesus Christ. It all hinges on the resurrection of God, and everything else is meaningless. As a matter of fact, it's so significant that in 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says this about knowing and not knowing Jesus. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has Jesus has life. Whoever does not have Jesus, the Son of God, does not have life. Friends, that's a bold statement, but it is the truth of God's word. There is only one way. There is only one path. The Bible says, wide is the pathway that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate that leads to everlasting life. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, friends. Jesus as Lord is the only way, and it is an essential belief in God's church. And it's tempting to soften on this to be able to appease the crowd and many churches and pastors and even church leaders have throughout the years. And for the church and even for Methodism itself to be a powerful movement of God again, we must recover a clear identity of Jesus as Lord of all and to unapologetically give Jesus our obedience and trust and love. And so may God give us the strength to stand firm and to not remain quiet that Jesus is Lord of all, that Jesus is the answer to everything that ills our culture and society, that Jesus is the answer to a Monday night football game, as a matter of fact. Now, I was meeting with my coach this week, and, and uh, he offered me some thoughtful insight as we were kind of just reflecting on the DeMar Hamlin situation and, and how amazing it is that and I said to him, how is, it, how is it that even ESPN and secular news outlets and all those places not only think it's okay now to, to call people to pray to God, but then for somebody to come on there and actually lead a prayer to God? And he said, well, the next step is, is that they're offering prayers to any God, right? The, the, the reason it's okay is they say, well, when people are just praying to their God or they're just, they're just praying to this God over here or that God over there, that, that prayer itself works. Friends, we don't believe that as Christians. We believe that it's the power of prayer calling out to the Lord our God, Jesus Christ, the one true Lord. Only he is the one that is capable of being raised from the dead. Only he is the one that sits at the right hand of the Lord our God as his son. Only he is the one that offers true and lasting eternal life. Only he is the one that can listen and answer and has not only the desire to do so because he loves us, but the power to be able to care for all of our needs and our prayer requests. And even DeMar Hamlin himself has acknowledged that in his own Christian faith that he believes brought resurrection into his own life. Who's ready for a resurrection today, friends? It starts and ends with Jesus Christ. Friends, here's a couple of action steps for us, and we're going to land the plane. Number one, what idol in your life comes before Jesus? Now, friends, if you say that you don't have, if you say this question isn't for you, you are lying 
Those of you tuned in on the internet, those of you that are live and in person, anybody hearing this, we all have idols in our life that we have allowed to come before God. And and some of them are really good things, but they become more important than God himself. What what, What is that? Name that before God. Number two, renew your commitment to worship Jesus. Renew your commitment to worship Jesus live and in person, on Sunday morning, in the house of God. And if this doesn't work for you, there are incredible amounts of houses of God all over the place. We've got to find ourselves in worship, worshiping God. Number two, renew your commitment to worship Jesus. Number three, pray and fast for a Methodist revival. Pray and fast for a Methodist revival. Friends, we are calling our entire congregation, when I say we, our prayer team and your pastor, are calling you to a month-long season of praying and fasting. And we are praying for the full measure of the fullness of God's Spirit to fill us. And so pray in three ways. Number one, pray for the full measure of God's Spirit to fill you. Pray for the full measure of God's Spirit to fill your family and your friends. And pray for the full measure of God's Spirit to fill our church and to fill every single church in, in, in humanity and to fill the Methodist movement, friends that the Holy Spirit of God would, would, would thrive again in our life, thrive again in our communities, thrive again in our churches, thrive again in Methodism, and see what God does through all that, friends. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we give you great thanks for today. Lord God, uh, we could easily kind of distance ourselves from this message today and, and think that this message is for everybody else, but, well, friends, this message is for each and every one of us here today, including the pastor. We all have idols We all have things in our life that are Lord over God. And so, Lord God, we confess that to you here and now today. We confess our allegiance. We we confess our dependency upon you, God, the Lord our God, that you are the one and only true God. And in a pluralistic culture and society, that is such a difficult stand to take. And Lord God, it may mean we get rejected in some places. It, It may mean that without doing so, we may cause hurt in someone else's heart. But Lord God, there is always... There's always love and truth and truth in love when you are involved, Lord God. And so, God, we know this. We know that lying to people isn't love. And we know that withholding the truth isn't love. And we know that withholding salvation in your son, Jesus Christ, from other people isn't love. So, Lord God, would you cause us here and now today to be recommitted that everything else in our life is rubbish. And that means everything every sin in our life and every good deed in our life and everything that is good and wonderful in our life, that everything else is rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing your son, Jesus Christ, as Lord of all in our life. We stand here and now today as God's people and we confess and we reclaim that for our lives, for our hearts, for our households, for our church, for our communities, and for this world, Lord God. And would you continue to use Horrible circumstances like a heart attack in the middle of a football field to glorify your holy name. And we continue to pray for Damar, his family, and all those lives that are going to be changed as a result of the witness that you're living in and through his life. We say all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Friends, we want you to know as we sing this closing song that the altar area is open. I know there's work that God is doing in your heart. Get up out of your seats and move forward and and seek prayer. Something about moving forward gets us closer to God in our hearts. It it, it means we're we're committed. We're ready to see this change. And our prayer ministry team is going to be up here. They'll be happy to pray with you. You can pray on your own. 
however you desire to do so, but the altar area is open. Let's see what God does as we recommit ourselves to Jesus as Lord. Would you stand and sing?